Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to Transplants Take on Sport. My name's Lewis Daniels and today I'm joined by a specialist nurse in organ donation, George Branliff. We'll be chatting about George's career in organ donation, including what day-to-day life is like for him, as well as how it feels to be involved in a successful transplant from his point of view. You'll also find out more about a cricket match George has organised between an NHS Blood and Transplant Select 11 and the England and Wales Transplant Cricket Club on Sunday the 11th of September at Rockhampton Cricket Club in Gloucestershire. If you'd like to come along and watch, please follow the link in the show notes to register for free tickets. If you're enjoying the podcast, please make sure you press subscribe or follow wherever you normally listen so you don't miss an episode. And if you'd like to follow the podcast on social media, all the links will be in the show notes. Before we get into this episode, I'd like to say another huge thank you to Neon Cricket, who very kindly sponsored me once again for the 2022 season, and have given me a code to share with you all that's slightly different to the one you may have heard before. If you use the code TTOSPORT, you'll receive a 20% discount on their entire range. That's T-T-O-S-P-O-R-T for 20% off everything at neoncricket.co.uk, and the website and the code are in the show notes in case you want to go straight from there to the website. I've been using their kit and it's genuinely the best I've ever used. So if you play cricket, why not grab yourself a saving of 20% ready for the new season? If there's a friend, family member, teammate, opposition player, a player you coach or anyone else you'd like to share the code with, then please feel free to do so. Thank you once again to Neon Cricket and let's get back to the podcast. George Branliff, welcome to Transplants Take on Sport. Hi Lewis, uh, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. We've been... I know we've been saying off air there, you've been listening for a long time now and it's great to have you on. You're not a transplant recipient, you are a specialist nurse in organ donation, so you play a a massive part in changing the lives of so many people, which we're going to come on to soon. It's been a while since the last podcast, a couple of months. Uh, I can only apologise, I've had other things on, including starting a new course, but it's back. So hopefully this is the first of many in a string of regular episodes. So to start with, George, was there a point in your life or career when you decided you wanted to work in organ donation? Not really. The, the beauty of being a nurse to start with and working in healthcare generally, it's 
that's a that's a mass of roles you can jo- you can go into whatever you fall into and enjoy you're set um but basically when i was a student nurse working in, in Portsmouth, i worked uh on the renal unit in my second year and, and kind of helped a, a couple of recipients potential recipients get teed up for for kidney transplants so i saw it from the recipient side and it, it was amazing I saw the transformation within days with them so um but as a, as a student then you just rolled on to the next placement and the next placement uh, and kind of genuinely forget about it to a certain point uh, when I qualified then I worked in the eye department again at QA and saw people receiving corneal um, transplants uh, giving them you know the gift of sight back which again was it was phenomenal um, but there was no way for me to get into that side at that stage um, in, my, in my career so I moved to intensive care um, in 2007 and immediately kind of just engrossed myself in the ITU world. It was it was a fantastic, fast-paced environment, very, very good, a bit geeky. Um, so it kind of ticked all my boxes. Uh, and just got talking to the organisation, especially this up there. Um, and just, they just captivated me. What they told me, what they do, uh, how they, you know, transform people's lives, you know, from a donor family point of view, and then obviously onto the recipient side. And then all my memories of, in my, my studenthood helping the kidney recipients um all came flooding back and it was just something that actually in the back of my mind if I can get to that point and the job was available at the right time and I was in the right place it would, it would be something I would go on to uh and then kind of yeah four years ago it all all kind of all the chess pieces were aligned and luckily there was a job available and um I got it and haven't really looked back since so it's, uh, it's something I've always wanted to do uh, and now I can't see myself doing anything else. What does your role generally involve? It's it's a really difficult one to explain because we do we do a bit of everything really. We work on the ITU units, helping you know families at such a such a horrific time. You know they've just been told you know someone you know they've loved and, and been with for for decades potentially are are dying or, or, or have died and so you're helping them pick up their pieces starting their bereavement journey you're helping ITU nurses with numbers and targets and kind of general health care supporting that patient in, in in that in the bed um, and then you know potentially 20 hours later you're going to theatre to to help retrieve organs and, and kind of get them get them off to anywhere in the country really um, to help someone that potentially have got hours to live themselves it's 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 a very diverse role that you can't really pinpoint down to one particular aspect it's and that's why I love it because every day is different you're helping so many different people at any one time it's, it's crazy now four years in is it still quite an emotional job for you or do you become sort of numb to the the feelings of I mean, there's, there's a lot to deal with there's death near death and saving lives again i think it's getting worse lewis if i'm honest the, the yeah. other i get the other i get and the more experience i get the, the more relatable it is to people you know it's people you know passing away dying who are my age or i've got children the same age as my children sometimes it's even you're, you're dealing with a donor family who are looking you know breathing for their child in that bed who are the same age as my children it's yeah it's it's so relatable but the you you 
it's it's not you're not dealing with their grief you're just helping them deal with theirs and you just go home and give your loved one a extra big cuddle and and kind of i relate it to being like an onion you just build yourself you build different layers of resilience onto you and you just have to deal with it so with every challenge breeds a bit of resilience and that's how you get through it and it helps and actually i find that if you are emotionally attached to that family at that time and you shed a tear with them or you share a story with them they really appreciate it it's an amazing job that you and all your colleagues do in organ donation um now i had a a twitter dm come in recently after the last podcast it's been a while since that came in and i was going to save this for a, a podcast with a transport recipient who'd received an organ from a deceased donor but I think it'd be quite nice to read it with you on and get your thoughts and see if this is something that you're involved with or you've experienced. I'm going to keep them anonymous. And it says, hi, Lewis, I've enjoyed all your podcasts, even though I'm not very sporty, but I am a donor mum. So, so the mother of somebody who has become a deceased donor. And it's so good to hear the recipient's achievements. I wouldn't normally message, but felt I, felt I needed to following the latest episode. You asked Daniel if he'd written to to the donor Great question, by the way. And he said he was waiting until he'd achieved his goals. Please say it is okay to write with your goals and then once again, and then again, once they've been achieved. My first letter from from the recipient was so, so precious. In other words, he doesn't need to wait. Well done on the podcast. I really do enjoy them. Might even see you in Leeds at the Transplant Games. And uh, we did. Uh, So do you, in your role, get involved with helping or facilitating people writing to donor families? Yeah, so it all just comes through us. So the letters will go to our donor records department in Liverpool, who will then forward onto us for us to check, uh, make sure there's obviously not too much personal information going on that you know could be traceable at that stage. Um, and yeah, just pass it on. I think it's very important. I think it's a very good thing. It's not something again before I started the job, I didn't realise happened. Uh, and I know a lot of donor families get a lot of. Uh, not pleasure, uh, is that's a difficult word. It's it's not that, but a lot of um, a lot of joy receiving that letter, especially if someone has gone on to to achieve their goals and stuff. It's it's it gives them a, a you know a sense of it, it was all worth it at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and later down the line, sometimes they even meet. We even facilitate meets. I've never done it um, myself, but it it does happen, um, and I've heard it's such an emotional thing. So, yeah, in it's really hard. And this is why, I, I, again, I love listening to your podcast and other podcasts of that ilk because we very rarely deal with the recipient side. We we have a massive link with the donor side, obviously, because of the job and we meet them. And we build up that rapport, but we don't tend to hear the recipient side. So for me, listening to stories of someone achieving a goal, especially it's relatable to me because I love the sport. It's, it's fantastic because... I've had some down times in this in this job. It's really hard. It's really taxing. You're awake a long time. It's very very emotional. Um, and I, I, I slap on the podcast like this and others. And actually, it makes me realise truly why I do this job. It's one of the massive things you can forget about the recipients. So letters to you know two donor families from recipients and vice versa is a massive link for for everyone involved. It's brilliant. It sounds like a very rewarding job and. This has just come to me now. Something that I ask a lot of uh, transplant recipients, and again, it'd be interesting from your point of view. We were speaking off air that 
you you'll be on call and you'll get the call to go into work. How does it feel to you when you receive a call saying that you're going in and somebody's going to receive an organ? I've I've played sport not at a massive high level, um, but I've been involved in in some of the cup finals. Um, I can't equate the adrenaline rush to anything when I get an on call uh, call out. It's your mind goes into such a space where you you know you're just thinking a million things at all in one time and to try and get all you know everything lined up so you make some sense of a family or you know what you're doing in the process is 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 really difficult you know I can go out on call I, I live down south on the south coast I've been as far as you know Coventry uh Cardiff so Northampton we travel a long way sometimes and you're stuck in a, in a transport car or sometimes even a taxi and you're just left to to your own devices and your thoughts are just like what am I going to do um to help all the people that I, I am going to help today you know potentially you know six seven eight people receiving an organ and potentially five six seven people in a bereaved family it's 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 a crazy crazy world that you're helping so many people in in, in one evening it's it's difficult if you think about it too hard you just won't you won't do it yeah so it's, it's kind of like you just get the call and your mind just clicks into work mode and, and then you just go and it just yeah the adrenaline rush is fantastic and there might be people listening to this who are interested in going into the same career as you that are on maybe they're student nurses or they are nurses and this is where they want to go. What are the main skills required to do your job? Uh, love of coffee is definitely <laughs> one of them. Um, as a nurse, as a, as a doctor, as, as a medic, it's really weird. You, you, you build up an affinity with someone really, really quickly. You have these weird interpersonal skills that you can judge a, judge someone generally quite correctly in, in such a quick amount of time i think seven seconds i think i've read somewhere that you build up a, a rapport with someone um so you have to have, have that you know personal touch um you have to be i say organized i struggle to put my shoes on on the right foot sometimes that's not gonna lie so um and they trust me to do with this job at a very highly organized levels you have to be certain to a certain point organized um not afraid to wear your heart on your sleeve um have a cry have a laugh um and just know your nursing staff you know it really helps having it's not necessary now but it really helps having an intensive care or uh, accident emergency nurse uh background so ed a and e whatever you want to call it because you're dealing with sometimes really sick patients who are becoming a little bit unstable that you you need to have that backup of i'm going to try this drug or i'm going to try that treatment and stuff to to help get you through so again this is a bit of a chuck of all trades master of oh, master of none is is probably the best way i can describe it <laughs> are you involved in the aftercare as well i could be wrong here it might be different in different hospitals but i'm sure i saw a specialist organ donation nurse quite regularly after my transplant uh sometimes depends where you're based um in maybe the bigger hospitals um like leeds manchester uh on uh, sometimes oxford because they've got um, a transplanting place there but generally no we would just deal with the donor side uh the 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 paths of a donor nurse and the recipient very rarely will cross um, right unless unless like i said they were based in the same hospital and they want to go up and say hello and they've got those links to the recipient side 
Now we know there's always there's developments in organ donation over the years. How has it changed or developed since the start of your career? It seems to change every day. We get a new policy, a new process come out every day that we have to learn and you know keep in a locker. You know, there's research stuff comes out that we have to to talk about. Um, there's you know new organs that can be transplanted and re- and retrieved that we have to think about in different areas. Um, but the main one is, is is the opt-out legislation that happened a couple of years ago. Uh, kind of lost in the mire because they decided to roll it out in March 2020, I believe. So kind of just when the pandemic was hitting. So most people know about it. There's a few people who don't uh, because the news was just obviously understandably yeah. COVID-based. But uh, yeah, that's that's the big one, getting people to talk about their wishes, um, getting people to, even if they don't want to become an, a, a donor, um, getting people to talk about it and making a decision on the on organ donation register of a, a yes or a no is, is, is a big one. If you listen to, listen to this and your family are, are near you and they, they don't know what you'd like to do, maybe get to the end, have a chat with them, pause it, have a chat with them, because it, it could save someone's life. And George, you'll be on the end of... Uh, the, right at the, the forefront of people who've had that conversation and have changed somebody's life yeah the legislation's there it's not uh, you're not going to go into hospital and um for any operation and then we take your kidneys because you're you know you haven't said no you don't want to be a donor it's not going to happen it's to put it in perspective you're more likely to need a transplant than be able to give one to someone one percent of people who die in the hospital go on potentially to become a donor so the pool is very very small the legislation is there to help guide families who haven't had that conversation with their loved one if they literally have no idea if they would be a donor or not it's just an exploration of their um, objections whether they would object to become a donor if they were a kind person and would want to help other people and the legislation is there to guide that it's not to coerce people it's not to say they haven't opted out they haven't opted in that means we you know it's fair game that we take, you know, your, your loved one's kidneys. It's it's not there for that purpose. It's there to help people just talk about it and, and remember their person as a, as a hopefully a, a kind, given human being, which I think that to the majority, the people that I deal with are, are kind-hearted and, you know, want to help people out. So the legislation does work in that aspect. You mentioned kidneys in there. Is that the main organ you work with? Um, yeah, kidneys is just an easy one uh, because we, they are the most retrieved organs, um, but they are the organs that are needed the most um, in the country. Um, but yeah, it's kidneys, it's liver, it's pancreas, um, heart, lungs, small bowel can be donated. Um, and even, you know, we are starting to look at kind of uterine transplants in, in in certain aspects, limb transplants in certain areas of the country as well. So, you know, as uh, technology and healthcare evolves, the more we can uh, try and help people. You know, we've all heard about the stories about face transplants and stuff like that. So it's out there. It's not wide ranging, the novel transplants, um, but it does happen. And it all just depends on where in the country you are. But the main ones are kidneys, liver, uh, lungs and heart are the four that we deal with mostly. Going back to the opt-out law, how has that changed how you go, you go about your job? And also, has it changed the process of donating an organ from your point of view? Um, not really. It doesn't really change because the families are still involved. Um, so like I said, it's not, you know, we presume that if you're not on the register, you have no objections to be 
on the you know on the register as such and be able to donate an organ if you're in that possibility but the families can still override a yes they can still override a no and they can override and and maybe so in my opinion and in my view it doesn't you, you just still talk to the families you would talk to them before the opt out law um, and see see what they would want to do really and if they can't handle the hospital anymore they've been in hospital for weeks they just want to go home yeah and their loved one hasn't voiced a decision then they're, they're all entitled to say actually it's not what us as a family or us as you know my husband wife or whoever in the bed would want um and we have to respect that you know we have to re- respect that decision but on the whole people do talk about it now um, on the whole, people are aware of the legislation and make a decision based around it. Um, so sometimes it does become easier, especially if they've opted in. If they've opted in, um, you know they've genuinely talked about it and um, families support that decision. In terms of supporting families, throughout your career in organ donation over the last four years, how has the, the, the support you're able to offer either improved, increased, changed? I think it's definitely improved. Again, like I said at the start, it comes with experience, really. Uh, you know, we've got quite a big team in our in our patch. You know, we've got 27, 28 highly qualified, trained, experienced organ donation nurses. So we talk about what we do on call. You're on your on call, genuinely on your own. You just have to act at the best time, really. You have to kind of make that decision and make that supportive decision for that family at a time and if you know someone for example has done a, a, a nice really hand a good handprint or has got a way of giving someone a nice hair lock you take that on board and you, you you know you give that to your family you know i've been in the privileged position of you know helped um two families have a, a non-legal wedding so a blessing in the hospital you know they've been together for for 20 years never got around to getting married but they wanted to. They were going to change their name after the, their partner had died. So we arranged a chaplaincy to come in the, the wow. following day. You know, balloons, photographer, you name it, you're there. It wasn't legally binding, but for them, it was. It was that emotional time that they had. And to, to do that, to have the opportunity to do that, I wouldn't be able to do it elsewhere on the NHS because of times and, and pressures and stuff. And we were able to do it. And for me, that's the most rewarding part of the job. Give, you know, putting something out a toolbox like that and, and just getting a thank you at the end and just going that extra mile is is what it's all about that would have been so special to them as well and the fact that you were able to organize it is it's that the extra touch that i think families will remember mm. those little little moments where you've gone above and beyond to make them as comfortable as possible and fulfill their wishes yeah someone in that position will genuinely remember the first doctor and nurse they come into a hospital uh, on an itu and the last one so if they're the God forbid, I'm the last person they they see or talk to in the hospital. I want to make it memorable for the right reasons. Uh, and, and it's very rare that that sort of extra mile happens, but you have you go that little bit further for some because you've got that opportunity. Some just want an, an, a nice handprint or a bit of music played by the bedsides, and that you can you can do that now. And you know, we've you know the Wi-Fi is better in the hospital, for example, so you can play. A decent playlist on, on your phone for them and it, it's those sort of t- those sort of touches that when people say can you do it you have to explore yeah definitely absolutely when you are involved in a successful transplant how rewarding is it for you oh phenomenal um it's 
it, it, it's, it, it's a strange one. It's it's different parts of the process where you think about different people. At, at the start, you you're thinking about how am I going to support this family? How am I going to have this conversation to potentially um, help you know a recipient? And then you don't really think about the recipient up until theatres again because all you're doing is, is trying to go that extra mile. You're trying to do the the keepsakes, the memory making, supporting siblings. Your focus is, is donor families. Um, and then you get into theatre and then your your mindset changes again. It's it's kind of like we need to, you know, proceed in the in the in the most safest way, make sure the, the organs are packed well, make sure, you know, there's no you know, lumps and bumps and anything suspicious that can go on and help someone, uh, could go on and hinder someone in the future. Um, so, it, you know, your mind changes from, from person to person and then you go home and you have a coffee, uh, you're having a shower, you're sat in the bath, which I, gen- I genuinely go home, detox in the bath, massive bath, but I'm sitting there for an hour and think about all the people that I've helped, all the people that um, have gone on because of my um, my uh my work over the last 20 uh, 20 hours is phenomenal so to to have a recipient coordinator say thank you very much you know everything went well to have a donor family who i speak to 12 hours later to say thank you very much uh you've made our our bereavement journey a little bit easier that's all that matters a simple thank you for from those people is is crazy and you know i'll tell you i'll tell a story i went to san francisco with uh my girlfriend who's now my wife um in 2019 we went on this food tour um and we got talking to people ironically i was an itu nurse from alaska there so we got talking about kind of work and all that stuff but we sat we were sat down in this um in this pizza restaurant in san francisco and we all had a few drinks so we were kind of like what do you do all that stuff and i had a marine sat opposite me he did two tours in iraq one in afghanistan um mates blown up you know coming back with you know massive injuries um and i just said that's it's amazing i couldn't do it you know how you've survived that how you're you're getting through after seeing the stuff that you've done i then explained what he what i do to him he literally got up shook my hand and he said that's phenomenal i was gobsmacked for someone who you know faces his own mortality every day for you know on, on three tours of, of war to go up to me and say that's a phenomenal job that you do you should be yeah. proud every day really puts in perspective it's just uh i get goosebumps i'm talking about it now i just get goosebumps because yeah. whenever i really struggle in the job i think about that story and that's and that's what it's all about you know you're making making a difference to everybody that you touch yeah that story as well shows how how important your job is how respected you are for doing what you do it's, mm. it, that was it was lovely to hear you're involved in raising awareness for organ donation and we'll be doing something in september september the 11th you're putting on an event a cricket match between an nhs blood and transplant select 11 and the england and wales transplant cricket club which i play for what made you decide to organize the match again it's something that i would not have the opportunity to do if i wasn't doing a job that i was doing if you know to have the opportunity to given the time and resources to plan something promotional wise is very i'm just very very grateful but it, as as always it started off with just a bit of a laugh really i was sat in a, a 
team meeting uh, one time, I think it was again about around about 2019, um, and uh, suggested Twitter follower came up on, on my Twitter feed at, at, on my lunch break, and it was the England and Wales transplant team. Because a lot of my Twitter is, is sport and kind of organ donation related. Followed them and just got into a bit of banter, really. It was kind of like, you know, we will just t- start just to be, be men and just take the mick out of each other. Uh, and it was like, right, let's get together. Let's, let's do something, you know, spur of the moment. Let's get a game going on. Um, I play for uh, Round the Cricket Club down here in Gosport. Um, but it was just too soon. It was kind of like we couldn't organise it in that sort of short space of time. So we kind of like, right, actually, this could happen. It could just be a game in the field with a barbecue sort of thing. And then it just snowballed from there. It's something that um, I look at other teams around the country. They do cycle rides from kind of Manchester Hospital to Leeds Hospital, etc. And I'm quite competitive. So I just want, what can I do to outdo them? So it's kind of, that's just have a cricket match. I love cricket. I love my job. Let's put the two together. You know, and the England Wales uh, transplant team have been fantastic in their support. They're like, yep, let's do it. And the last two years have been postponed with COVID. So it's kind of just, it's a week before organ donation week. So it's going to kick off, you know, the uh, the pink pledge. I think they're calling it this year. That's a big push. Um, it's, it's just, it just snowballs. And I think it's just a fantastic event, hopefully you know, to aware, raise awareness of how important organ donation is, giving people as kind of a second chance to do something that they love. Um, that's about it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's nothing special. It wasn't an epiphany moment. It was just, can I do it? Yes. Yeah. Shall I do it? Why the hell not? I'm really looking forward to it. It'll be my first game for the team. And the whole the whole event sounds great. I've seen the trophy that... I think I've been sent pictures of you're in the kit at the moment. People won't be yep. able to see what you've got. You've got your white and pink kit on. How special would it be for you to play cricket against a team of people who've directly benefited from the work people like yourself have done? I, I, I don't think I can explain it, Lewis, to be fair. Uh, like I said, we don't have the links as donation nurses to recipients as I think we maybe should have. So for again, for myself and the team, it's it's a realisation of why ultimately we do the job for. Um and as long as we win, it'd be fantastic. It's just be T team. Um, but at the end of the day, it is it is to where raise awareness, get people talking, get members of the public talking, um, and hopefully, again, it will continue year on year. Uh, whether we move it around the country, whether we keep it in Gloucester, Gloucester is quite a good central location where it is in Rockhampton, so it's easy for people to get to whether we move it around. I don't know. People are trying to keep my feet on the ground. In my mind, in five years, we'll be playing at Lords. But <laughs> hope uh, oh, oh, be amazing. <laughs> but um it, it's just it's just about just doing what it's a bit selfish, I'm not gonna lie. It's doing what I enjoy. You know, I love my job, I love my sport. So actually for me, it's a it's a dream come true. It's a match made in heaven. And uh, to meet you guys in in person shake your hand because i was meaning to come up a couple of times to the net but you know what it's it's life life gets in the way so yeah it's just it's just it's just a fantastic it'd be fantastic i just want to do it <laughs> it's just i can't really explain how excited i am i think my wife wants to kill me because i've got cricket gear everywhere <laughs> the last two years when it gets to around about this time i'm you know talking about crickets at ten- she hates it uh i think my team managers hate it but it's it's a good for me, it's a you know planning this has been a good 
step away from being on call all the time. Yeah. I'm not just thinking about, you know, 20 hour shifts. I'm going away. I'm doing something, you know, planning something I really enjoy. Um, and we'll see what happens if the rain stays away. I think I've got a, now a 14 day long term forecast in Gloucester <laughs> on my phone that flashes up every morning. So as long as the rain stays away, I think it's going to be a cracking event. I'm really looking forward to it. The England and Wales Transpac cricket team, as I've said so many times on here, is a fantastic team to be involved with. It's been so beneficial for me, both cricketing sense and also transplant sense, talking to other people who've been through similar experiences to me. So it would be a, a really, really special day. And people listening to this can actually come and watch if they'd like to. Where can people go to register for free tickets? Yes, free tickets. And come along and watch. I think there's an Eventbrite link that um, hopefully you can post at the end of this. That'll be in the description. Yep, just click on it. Come on down, register for as many tickets as you like. Um, you don't have to be touched by organ donation. You don't have to be touched by organ transplant. If you want to come out and see the benefits of what organ donation has done to 12, 13 like-minded individuals, normal human beings that have been given the opportunity to kind of do something that they love, again, just please come down. There's going to be a barbecue. Uh, there'll be a bar. A small cost, bring your own picnic, bring your kids. There's, there's plenty of space. It's a beautiful, beautiful venue in Rockhampton uh, Cricket Club. If people Google it, they will see how beautiful it really is. Um, just come on down, enjoy it, talk about, you know, bring your friends and family, talk about organ donation. Just come out for a lovely uh, late summer's uh, day of cricket. That is Sunday, the 11th of September at Rockhampton Cricket Club in Gloucester, near Gloucester. I'll make sure that the link to go and register for tickets is in the show notes of the podcast. I've also retweeted it on the Transplants Take On Sport Twitter. I'll try and get it on Instagram and Facebook. If you'd like to come down, please do. We'll both be there playing in the game. Uh, it'd be great to see you. Now, you've said earlier on how you try to keep your feet on the ground and play at Lords in five years. Is the plan to just keep this event going for as long as possible? It's an annual thing. As long as I can do it, um, as long as I'm in, in the role, it'd be something I always will try to, to do. I know the transplant team, I spoke to them uh, last week, are really passionate about it. You you know, the passion that you've talked about it is, is evident. So as long as we can keep doing it and, and it's there and it all, it just coincides with any sort of national incidents going on. Obviously, we can't have any, like a COVID or something yeah. like that happening. But as long as the, the interest is there from both parties, I can't see why not. It's, I think it's going to be a, a great way of of showcasing what transplantation and, and donation can, can do for people. And I can't think of any other way that I'd want to promote it. Have you been playing regularly this season to uh, to get ready? No, I've had a good innings on a, on a 2020 the other week, um, midweek. I only played four Saturday games because of uh, childcare, because of we just bought a house and we're doing, you know, we've got house renovations and that to do. So, and, and work, ultimately work gets in the way. Um, but, you know, you, you, play, you play, it's, it's, as you know, sport is a fantastic way of, of being an outlet. So, yeah. Since I get a couple of games in a year, just to kind of be around my mates, um, have a few kind of drinks at the end of the day, it, it, it's fine. You know, I think the, the wife enjoys it because I'm out of the house for a long time. <laughs> uh, she gets some peace and quiet. So, yeah, I haven't played as much as I have done, but what I have played is has been okay. My average down a little bit from last year, but um, I played a lot of wicket keeping, so I've really enjoyed being behind the sticks and. I don't think anyone else has volunteered for those transplant teams. So uh, my gloves and 
will be on. And uh, yeah, watch your bales, Lewis. <laughs> Um, don't go wandering down that wicket, mate. Um, <laughs> and that's what's, you know, again, it's a, a new role that I found in the cricket team, being a wicketkeeper, it's something I really enjoyed uh, and enjoy doing. So, yeah, it's it's been a different year, but it's been all right. The mental side of playing sport, the mental, mental health benefits, for me anyway, are huge. So playing cricket this summer has been massive for that and something I want to keep doing for as long as I can. Is it the same for you in getting away from work and life you can just not switch off because obviously you're focused but you don't really think about anything else at the time no no it's you know I love my children dearly I love all three of them to the world's end but when I'm on that pitch I don't have to worry about them I don't have to worry about <laughs> lunches I don't have to worry about changing nappy it's 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 something like like you said it's you just with your mates and it's it's that banter it's that you know rapport that you have with people. yeah again you may only see once a week but you just chew the fat you drop a cat you'll get abused it's just it's just a different way and I, I've, I've played sports since I was like seven in in football changing rooms and stuff and it just feels I just feel at home on yeah with a ball in my hand and a big bit of grass whether it be football whether it be cricket tennis it's it's just yeah it's just just a release just a release yeah it's, it's... I, mentally, socially, physically, there's so much sport can do. So if if there's a club near you in whatever sport it is you want to do and you're not playing or involved, why not go and join and uh, feel the benefits for yourself, see if that's something that, that works for you. And now from cricket to football, it's time for the return of the Transplant Take on Sport quiz. Oh, dear. <laughs> As a reminder, if, with the podcast not being... Not been any new episodes for a while. Uh, each episode, I'll ask the guest four questions based on the sport of their choosing. George shows football. There'll be one which is higher question, one true or false, one what happens next, and one who am I. Obviously, the aim is to score as many points as possible, and I'll be keeping score as the podcasts go by. Can I just put a caveat, Lewis? I have just come off a long call. Uh, last night so yeah 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 so uh, I am full of caffeine so (laughs) I'm not gonna I'm anticipating not scoring very hardly in today that's not a problem I'm sure the work you do is (laughs) far more important than scoring for this quiz no no, not it's it's a quiz it's competition it it pales into significance it's uh it's all about (laughs) the points question one is which is higher is it the number of goals scored by Lionel Messi in a single game, so the most goals scored by him in a single game, or the amount of times Manchester City have won the Premier League. So number of goals, the most goals scored by Lionel Messi in a single game, or the amount of times Manchester City have won the Premier League. So that is just Premier League, so since 1992. I think they've won at five. I want to say City. Correct. Correct. For my... Research: Manchester City have won the Premier League six times. Oh, six times. Uh, and Messi has scored five in a single game twice. Once against Bayer Leverkusen in 2012 and June this year for Argentina against Estonia. So, yeah. one for you so far. Question two, true or false? Portsmouth hold the record for having held the FA Cup for the longest period of time. Uh, purely because of World War Two, it's true. It is true, and that is yet seven years. They held it from 1939 to 1946, despite only winning it once, because <laughs> there was no professional football during World War Two. Forgot your location there. <laughs> 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 two out of two so far. 
Uh, question three is what happens next. Now, I'll, I'll link the video for this, what happens next in the, the show notes, and I'll try and share it on social media if I can without being uh, picked up for copyright issues. So, I'll explain it as well as I can. During a Premier League match between Chelsea and Manchester United in 2008, a balloon makes its way towards Manchester United <laughs> assistant manager Mike Phelan. For that laugh, I think you might have seen this. Yeah. Uh, he picks it up. And this is multiple choice. But what happens next? Is it A, Mike Phelan and kit man Albert Morgan start hitting the balloon towards each other with their hands to the disgust of manager Sir Alex Ferguson? Is it B, Mike Freeland rubs the balloon on his T-shirt, followed by Sir Alex Ferguson's head to make his hair stand up, much to his annoyance again? Or is it C, he pops the balloon using his foot, causing a completely unaware Sir Alex Ferguson to jump out of his skin and telling him in no, cert- no uncertain terms to go away? I really wish it would be B. I think that would be fantastic. <laughs> um, it's C. It is, yes. The, the video is very funny. And oh, I'll that's brilliant. And I'll share the bleeped version. Otherwise, there. Uh, <laughs> You can hear it on the on the pitch side microphones. Yeah, <laughs> if, even if you uh, did bleep it out, anyone who knows what Sir Alex Ferguson was like as a manager, you can guarantee you can know yeah. what's going to come out of his mouth. Mike Phelan actually said it was one of the most important moments of his coaching career, <laughs> as it made him famous online. But he was worried he was going to lose his job the next day. Oh, I can't, I can't imagine the absolute ribbon he would have got from Fergie. The day after. Absolutely. He said he switched off from the game and he was just watching the balloon go along, waiting for it to come towards him because he knew as soon as it came he was going to pop it. I, I you know, I will question anyone who will not do it. <laughs> you had to do it. I would I would have done it. And I'm pretty sure you would have done it. It's just this yeah. sort of thing. We we are ingrained to stamp on a balloon as as people <laughs> from an early age. But to do it with Sir Alex Ferguson next door to you is um in the middle of a very important game against a highly decorated Chelsea team at the time yeah less ballsy <laughs> he was more successful than Ben Foster who tried it last season for Watford and he nearly injured himself trying to stand, stand on a balloon I haven't seen that buckled <laughs> I'll try and share that. that if I can if not it'll be on YouTube Ben Foster standing on a balloon <laughs> I'll check that out once we finish three out of three so far the coffee's working <laughs> question four is a who am I so with this I'll give you four statements to try and work out who the player is and then you can have a guess. And if it's incorrect, I'll read another statement. You can have another guess. Up to three times. So you've got four guesses to get okay. this player. Quite generous. So this player was born in October 1981. They won the league in their first full season in the Premier League. Started their career at Red Star Belgrade and finished at Inter Milan. And this could have been a, a true or false. They're the only Premier League winner whose surname is made entirely of Roman numerals. Any ideas? Born in October 1981, won the league in his first full season in the Premier League, which indicate, hints that he, would, he joined midway through a season. Mm. Started his career at Red Star Belgrade and finished in Inter Milan. Uh, and the only Premier League winner whose surname is made entirely of Roman numerals. Any guesses before your next clue? No. No, not, uh, no, no, not yet. No. Next clue. <laughs> Um, they are one of only four players to win the Premier League Player of the Season award twice. So they're a Premier League winner, started their career in Belgrade, finished Inter Milan. They are uh, 40 years old, coming up 41. Um, and their surname is made of Roman numerals. 
So Roman numerals just get me stuck. It's, it's possibly one... If it was a pub quiz question and you had more time to work it out, you could yeah. go through Roman numerals. But <laughs> it's just like what you want to do. We are on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, oh, we're not. It's been a brainwave there. Oh, Vidic. Correct. Really? Vidic, yeah. Whoa! That one out. Wow. The, the remaining clues were he's a defender and he's Serbian. So yeah, we've got, we got it from those. I didn't realise he finished his career at Inter Milan. Wow. He went. He left when David Moyes came in. Didn't realise he went to Milan. Inter. Oh, wow. He wasn't there that long, but yeah, he finished it into Milan. Um, wow. I can't remember the other four players to win the Premier League Player of the Season award twice. Again, I didn't. Again, I didn't realise he won it twice. He was also one of the best defenders in the Premier League, in my opinion. But wow, I didn't realise he won it twice. And the name made of Roman numerals. Wow. Again, I, don't, I completely forgot D was a Roman numeral. So did I until I saw that, <laughs> that fact online. That's I think it's good... five hundred. That's a good fact. That's a good fact. I like that. That's pushed something really important out of my brain now. And that's going <laughs> to... I'm going to give my father-in-law a ring. He's a, he's a bit of a football note himself. I'm going to, I'm going to quiz him on that one. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> brilliant answer. Four out of four. Great performance in the quiz. And one more question before we go. And it's the one I ask everyone at the end of the podcast. And maybe maybe different answer from you. We'll change it a little bit. One piece of advice you'd give to someone who's facing a transplant and that may be a donor family facing their loved one donating um i, I can do it for the recipient side as well because obviously we we ring up a lot of centers and sometimes we have to stand down because of certain stuff i would say to the recipient never give up hope uh there's yeah. always people out there um from the seaside's family out there willing to help so don't give up hope, no matter how many telephone calls you get and how many times you get stand down. Um, hopefully your time will come. Um, and from a donor family point of view, oh God, it's, um, it's really difficult. I would say just be human. Just think about what you would want in that situation. Most families would take anything to have their loved one back um so you have the opportunity to give someone that second chance so just just be human and try to think of others in a time where you might struggle to tie up shoelaces brilliant answer george it's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you you are one of our nhs heroes and have Cheers, mate. touched the lives of so many people uh if you'd like to come and watch both of us play cricket get involved with the day uh, to raise awareness for organ donation you can do link for tickets will be in the show notes of this podcast that is Sunday the 11th of September at Rockhampton Cricket Club NHS Blood Transplant Blood and Transplant versus England and Wales Transplant Cricket Club if you're enjoying the podcast please make sure you press subscribe follow wherever you normally listen and then you won't miss an episode we are coming back there's going to be more episodes coming along the way make sure you stay tuned there'll be more inspirational guests that you'll be hearing from shortly once again thank you very much to my guest today George Branliff. I've been Lewis Daniels, and you've been listening to Transplants Take on Sport. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.